We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Uh, we riding this till 6 o'clock today, and then at 6, uh, Steve Gallo takes over. Him and Charlie will roll this until 8 o'clock tonight. Bob's got the day off. Uh, Charlie, uh, looking at the injury list, uh, the one glaring name there, Alvin Kamara, not at practice. Uh, I always remember Sean Payton telling me one thing with Alvin, he can miss a lot of practice time, and if it comes on Sunday, he's ready to play. I would play him and, and not have an issue. He knows exactly what he's got to do. But uh, Charlie, that he's not practicing, sort of tells me that this is an iffy situation for Alvin. And this may end up being, now a lot of people think Jamal Williams, I think this may end up being a Taysom Hill game. I think it'll be both, right? Yeah, I think Jamal will get in there with some carries, but a bigger pitcher, for Taysom Hill at running back. And does I mean, I, I could be wrong. I have to double-check the stats. I don't have them right in front of me. But doesn't Taysom always seem to play really well against, against the Falcons? Atlanta. Yeah, yeah sure does. Uh, I'll double-check it and get the numbers. But as far as Jamal Williams having a season high in carries and yards just this past week against Tampa Bay, it was kind of a dual backfield. Like, both of them had around 10 carries, and then Alvin goes down with that ankle injury, misses the rest of the game, most of the second half. And then Jamal was the guy. Uh, and, I mean, he had that big, like, 17-yard run against Tampa – uh, which was, I believe, his longest of the year. Um, and if you're looking at him kind of getting heated up at the right time, the, the more workload Jamal Williams seems to get, the better he seems to play. Um, so we'll see. I, I think, yeah, Taysom definitely has a role on Sunday, an increased role, especially if Alvin's not playing. But I think Jamal does too. Yeah, I think you're going to have to share it if, if Alvin doesn't play. Uh, we'll see if how much Kendra Miller will get to play uh, also uh, he's in pra- at practice, but, uh, man, we've seen sparingly of Kendra all year long. Uh, came in with so much promise. I remember the day he gets picked. Man, he, he kind of spouted off with us that uh, – that he was uh, he was going to be the number one guy, and I remember Dude saying, "Hey, hold on, young stallion, it's uh, not quite there yet." But uh, we'll, we'll see with Kendra if he gets an op- some opportunities, and I'm sure if he's healthy, he will. Uh, but um, I just got a feeling that we're going to see a lot more with Taysom Hill running the football. Uh, it just feels like that type of game, and he's he's really done well in the past against the Falcons. He's got a pair of 80-plus yards games. I, I have it in front of me now, Mike. Uh, via Stat Muse, he's had a couple of 80-yard games against the Falcons, but uh, earlier this year, 7 for 26 was what he did in Atlanta. But then again, that Saints offense just kind of sputtered in Atlanta. It wasn't a good day or good performance by them at all. Uh, they had a much they've – they've been better over the last – Let's say, I mean, they didn't play well against the Rams, but three of the last four weeks, I'd say that the, the offense has played pretty well. Um, so, you're, yeah, you're looking for Taysom, you're looking for Jamal, you're looking for this rushing attack to get going against an Atlanta Falcons defense that has been, I think you and I would both agree, the strength of their team. They played well this year. It's been the quarterback that's given up down. deep passes lately. Mm. So my thing is protect Derek Carr. 
Justin Fields had an excellent performance against them. Throwing the ball. DJ, Man, Moore, DJ Moore, they couldn't cover him. Uh, he absolutely burned them. So my thing is, if you got some time, you can throw the ball deep against them. That's been the Achilles heel defensively. I heard uh, Ryan Nielsen on his press conference say, you know, we, come on, we got to shore that up. We've given up way too many uh, chunk plays in the passing game. I think he's very pleased in what he sees in the running game, uh, him being able to stop that. Uh, and doing this without Grady Jarrett uh, is really, really impressive uh, so far this season. So we'll keep an eye on what happens with uh, Alvin Kamara tomorrow. He is getting treatment, but you just, not him not practicing Wednesday, Thursday. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, we'll see what happens by Saturday. But I'll never forget, Sean, making that comment. Hey, you ain't got to worry about it. Alvin knows what he's got to do. It's what you say all the time, wise. Mike. It's, it's all about physicality. Skill. Practice is for the unskilled, like you say all the time, <laughs> yeah. Mike. Yeah, that's, that's an old Ricky Jackson line. Yeah. Uh, but um, it is what it is. Uh, let's take this caller real quickly. Let's go to Aaron and Berwick. Aaron, you're on the uh, our Oakwood Heart Jewelers talking text line with Mike and Charlie. Yeah, guys, I just wanted to say I've seen old Trevor Simeon playing quarterback for the Jets, and all yeah. I can think of is – what in the world was Sean Payton thinking having that guy take the keys to the New Orleans Saints franchise when you got Taysom Hill as a backup? I want your thoughts on that. I think Sean, even though early on thought that maybe Taysom could be the guy at quarterback eventually after Drew, he saw that that didn't develop. Taysom just doesn't throw the football well enough to be a full-time quarterback. And he's – Okay, his, his win-loss record, but that's when Peyton was drawing up plays, and it was certain games that they were able to do it. I think Sean really knew that Taysom wasn't going to be the guy, and he, you know he, he tried to uh, do things with uh, Jameis Winston, and it worked for a while until Jameis got hurt. And then now, you know, he's got to go to another quarterback, and he went to Trevor Simeon. And I give Trevor a lot of credit. Man, he's bounced around this league, and he's got him some W-2s uh, that he's been able to accumulate. But I think basically like what we saw in practice, Sean saw too, that uh, Taysom couldn't be that full-time guy. And really where he's so effective is that all-around player where he could play running back play that power at the quarterback position, play tight end on special teams. He's unique. And why, Aaron? You can't compare him to any player over the last 25 years that's played in the National Football League. Nobody's been able to do what Taysom Hill has been able to do with all that versatility. Often attempted to replicate, never actually replicated. No, nothing close. And, And now, you know, I get calls from scouts uh, who maybe will scout the Big East or Big Ten or Pac-12. Mike, you see a Taysom Hill guy, you know, in the deep south, and my answer is always no. I, I, I don't see one. I haven't seen one uh, at that level. Put it to you that way. Uh, Charlie, one of our Texas right in 4034. Michael, would you tell us about Blake Baker? Rumored to be possibly the new defensive coordinator at LSU. If you were listening yesterday, he was the first name I brought up. The Mizzou, uh, D.C.? Yeah, he's the uh, defensive coordinator today at Missouri. He had signed an extension with Missouri. So well, Denbrock uh, did that with LSU too. And, and, what and, and so he was able to get out of it. His, his wife's an LSU gal. Actually played athletics at LSU. They lived on the North Shore. He coached one season with Coach O, coached the linebackers 
um, at LSU. Uh, I knew him from his days when he was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech, and I watched him play when he was a uh, college player for the Green Wave. He was a very good linebacker. Man, he, he brought it to you. And it was excellent this year defensively, too. They went from 104th total defense to 25th. Huge turnaround. That That is a big turnaround. And the one thing with his defenses, how well they tackle out in the open field. Man, okay, Ohio State had some bits and pieces of the puzzle missing on offense, but you didn't see Ohio State people out in the open field. No yak like they uh, say. Nothing. Uh, they were able to shut that down, so – Man, if they can get him and somehow work out those deals with a contract, that would be uh, great to, to bring in Blake. Young guy, knows his stuff, and uh, knows the area very well and loves Louisiana. He's always told me, Mike, there's something special about coaching athletes here in Louisiana. They might not be the biggest, fastest people, but they give it to you. Whatever they got in the tank, they're going to unload it on you. So uh, we'll see what happens there also. But I'd love to see Bo Davis as a defensive line coach. Now, he's making quite a bit of cash at uh, University of Texas. Let's see uh, what happens there. He's Pete Jenkins' protege. I've known him for a long time. When he was at LSU, he, he went to the NFL with Detroit. He was coaching at Alabama. With Texas this year along their defensive line, uh, I think certainly those two guys are the two target guys uh, for LSU. Uh, Blake at defensive coordinator and, and Bo Davis along defensive line. Let's see what they can do financially uh, to get them to come to Baton Rouge. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Steve Geller will join us at 540. Uh, before we uh, Jonathan, hold on just a second. Charlie and I are going to talk a little bit about Pelicans. Charlie, I thought about you last night. 117-106 over the Timberwolves. Zion, 27 points, 11 of 15. Man, he was, he was cooking last you know what night. Else, Mike? It was his first back-to-back yep. that he's played this year. Now, granted, what they did against the Nets, where they whooped the Nets so badly that the starters only needed to play 20 minutes in that game, and the bench, like, if you look at the minutes distribution for that Nets game, it's hilarious. It's set up, basically, for the Pels to be not necessarily fully rested for the game last night against the Timberwolves, but they weren't, like, sluggish or anything like that. They hopped on a plane, went up to Minnesota, and beat down the top team in the West. And they had not played well against the Timberwolves. They had not they split matched with them. them this year. They split. But both games that they lost, Zion didn't play. No, he didn't. Both games that Zion played, the Pels won. They were able to win because Minnesota. of the matchups. And we talked about it yesterday a little bit uh, that, man, that they had trouble matching up. But with Zion in the lineup, there's the difference. They got nobody to match up against Zion. I'm really looking forward to talking with all the Cassell later in the show about it. But it is infuriating. And I will say this as many times as I need to until it changes to see how he gets officiated. He doesn't get a good whistle. Man, he gets hacked a lot. Like, the the, the play that Willie Green got teed up on because it was, I mean, he got slapped by three different people on the same drive to the rim, and the ball went out of bounds, and they didn't call anything. 
Like, no one even hit a basketball. It was all on Zion's arms. Like, well, I think they call it differently with big men than the smaller guys. I just, just, I mean, that's how it is. And I talked about time, yesterday. Like, you look at someone like Joel Embiid with the 76ers, he gets like the most favorable whistle in the league. Yeah, he does get a lot. But he also embellishes contacts. I, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a learning That's to do a that. different story. But you, you shouldn't have to do that to get calls in the NBA. And it's just, it's just a poor product from the officiating standpoint that they're so inconsistent because you'll see a play, like, I remember specifically last night, uh, Anthony Edwards, who I respect the hell out of. I think he's a great budding young superstar in Minnesota. And his comments about Zion after the game just made me respect him even more. He went into Jonas Valanciunas. Both hands were up for Jonas. They called a foul because, I mean, he created contact. You know, it was a crafty move by him. On the opposite side, you'll see, like, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, like, just hack, you know, Zion as he's going up for the rim. Or, like, even Gobert, to a sense. And, I mean, Gobert gets a different whistle because he's got a defensive reputation, which I'm still waiting for that to happen to Herb Jones as well. Uh, but they'll hack, you know, Zion going up to the rim, and he won't get a call. It doesn't make much sense. Um, and, you know, maybe it will change at some point, but we're just going to have to keep calling it out until it does because it's pretty frustrating to watch. Oh. But the win last night, fantastic, Mike. I mean, everyone contributed. I think Anthony, uh, Antonio Daniels and Joel Meyer said on the broadcast that um, there's a stat that every time – CJ, BI, and Zion have each combined to go over five assists. They're undefeated, which is a great stat to keep, kind of keep an eye on because that shows that they're sharing the ball. The offense is moving, it's operating at its highest level. Uh, and the offense, I mean, not even mentioning how good they were defensively last night, but the offense was excellent. I as thought well. the key was their defense. They were play. great defensively. And CJ last night certainly scoring 24 points, Herb getting 16. Uh, Ingram 19, but I thought their defense was outstanding last their night. Their defense was outstanding, but they're, I mean, you can't knock the offense either against the top rated defense in the NBA. That's what Minnesota is. I mean, Anthony Edwards is an elite young defender. Rudy Gobert is a multi time defensive player of the year. And I mean, they took it to him last night, Mike. It was excellent. One of the best performances of the season for sure. And so they're on the roll, and we talked about it, this schedule, that you got to make hay in, de- a great in, start, though. in December into early January because now the schedule starts to really get more and more difficult as we get into the month of January. Let's go to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, Jonathan and Marrera. Jonathan, you're in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, Mike and Charlie. How y'all doing today? Right, What's up, Jonathan? Hey, beating a dead drum, but are y'all guys aware of how many sacks Cam Jordan got this year? Solo yeah. sacks. Yeah, it's, it's a total of one. Yeah, you know, if I'm doing my math right, he's had over a thousand snaps and only has one solo sack. I guess my question to y'all guys: I know Bobby always likes to say, you know, what have you done for me lately? You know, what, what's the plan with Cam in off season and his contract? And no, know, he signed an extension this off season. Signed so an extension. How many more years does that tie us to? Uh, two more years. Two-year extension. Two-year extension. So here's my deal, and actually I had this – I'm glad you brought it up, Jonathan. Uh, I had this conversation with Doug Muto last year uh, from Channel 4 uh, because he had heard me tell this story. Uh, man, the late, great Jimmy Taylor, one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game uh, from LSU with the Packers and played that final season uh, with the Saints. And Jimmy told me the last two years, he said, my last year in Green Bay and my, my final season with the Saints in 67, he said, you know, I was probably in the best shape of my life for both years, but I couldn't get away from people like I used to. I, I couldn't power through a, a would-be tackle like I used to. I, I used to kind of maybe give a little move and get away from people and I couldn't. And he said, for the time sort of crept on me. Because every once in a while, they fooled me. I could. But most of the time, it was a hit and a miss, 
a hit and a miss. And then he said injuries started to play a big part in his career. I, I Doug and I talked about that, how this almost kind of ties into Cam, where he's playing with an injury, but he's not quite as quick uh, as we've seen in him in the past. And you look at the whole situation getting to the quarterback and, and making a play there. It, it is such a fine line in this league. While he's still, uh, I think, a good player, and we were so used to seeing him as a playmaker, as a pass rusher, in kind of a roll-type games. He'd go three or four games, and he'd roll up a pile of sacks. That has not happened this year. And a lot of times, I mean, even kind of recently, it's happened late in the season. Like, he kind of heated up as yep. things got later on. But as you said, Mike, it just hasn't happened. It's been a little bit disappointing. Yeah, and man, him and Ricky Jackson, think about, man, what they what they did for this franchise. For sure. Defensively. But Father Time catches up with all of Undefeated. us. Uh, it's undefeated, untied. I mean, it's got the winning championship belt to it, and it catches up to you uh, at different stages where, as Taylor would tell me, and God bless him, he would say, I could play good for a little while, but I couldn't sustain it. And you see that in older players. It, it just happens. And so I'm glad you brought it up because Doug and I had a had a long talk about that, and it pertained to Cam Jordan last year. They, and Because he had heard me made that talk about Taylor and, and how he knew it was the end for him because he figured, you know, I couldn't play at that same level anymore, and I, I was out. And so for the second year, they had him on special teams as a backup running back. Jimmy was, that's it. I'm out of here. He cashed it in. But, um, man, all those sacks that we used to seeing Cam making and being that guy that's a disruptive influence off the edge we haven't seen that this year but it's it's a good question jonathan thanks for the call we'll be back with more sports talk here on the big 870 eddie gross will join us from bet mgm right after this break here on the big 870 wwl we're back here on sports talk on the big 870 mike to tell you along with charlie long and on our Oakland Hardula's talk and text line is the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the BetQL Daily podcast for more of Ed's analysis. Just search BetQL wherever you find your podcast. Ed, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Two quick questions for you. One, I'm going to ask you about Saints-Falcons. But secondly, uh, we were talking about this on the segment prior to you. Uh, you know, when players get older, and we see it with, with Cam Jordan, who I think he's, gonna, he's headed to Pro Football's Hall of Fame. He, he's going to get in there. Uh, he's been that type of player uh, in the National Football League. But as you get older, I think, uh, and I was telling the story Jimmy Taylor had told me, you start to accumulate injuries. And plays that you could normally make, you don't quite make them anymore, either because of your age or injuries. You're not quite as quick. You maybe don't get off a block as fast, that sort of thing. Now, your locker room presence and everything else is important, but you do a lot of this in in watching different players and seeing a guy in the winter years of his career, uh, like Cam Jordan is, how great of a player he, he certainly was for the Saints and the fact that he has not been a big-time playmaker for him this year. And certainly age and injuries come into play there. 
Absolutely it does. And first off, I couldn't agree with you more that Cam Jordan is going to camp. No doubt about it. Like you, you talk about someone who not only has played at a high level, but has also played at a consistent level as well. I think sometimes whenever I'm looking at ideas as far as who's going to make it to the next level, things like that, I go, you know what? Consistency matters a great deal. Like, can you find a five to seven year window where you are one of the best at your position? And certainly with Cam Jordan, I think we can definitely say that, no doubt about it. But I think when it comes to age, like it's a matter of probability, right? Like at some point you play X number of snaps, X number of games, you're going to get hurt. It's a physical game. And so the likelihood that you're going to be injured just naturally goes up. And regardless of if you're a young guy or an older guy, the chances are rather high that when you come off of an injury that you are rebuilt to a point where you're just a little bit slower and a little bit weaker. And over time, this happens enough to where you're just not who you were as a young man. And I think this happens to all of us. And it's very easy for us to relate to this dynamic, right? Like I'm not as fast as I used to be uh, in large part because say like, you know, one of my knees is, you know, a little bit banged up or, you know, maybe, you know, I've got, you know, a few extra pounds that I don't want to have or whatever it is. But that's just the reality of it all. And I think it's important that if, say, like you're looking at a player who hangs on to his career too long, that's not necessarily a bad thing if he's paid appropriately. I think it's important to remember that window of time when someone was at their peak. And I think with Cam Jordan, we definitely saw that. Your thoughts on Saints-Falcons? Yes. So with the Saints, I'm going to lay the points here. I think they can – beat Atlanta by at least three, uh, partially because my model has this as Saints four and a half. And part of it is the Falcons passing game has been absolutely abysmal. We know that the Saints don't have to muster some exceptional coverage to, to win that particular battle. But also too, this Falcons defense, like I know Jesse Bates has gotten a lot of credit and a lot of pub, We've been beat deep lately. Yep, he sure has. And this defense in general has been beat uh, deep lately. I looked at uh, in terms of passer rating allowed on plays beyond 20 air yards and the passer rating allowed is 105.2 that's not good that means that a quarterback can have consistent success going deep and i do think that say like even though chris Olave was limited on wednesday and you know sort of you know been taking a step back i guess in practice this week in general i think he can be due for a monster outing so i'm expecting that connection to be very good and why the saints win this game and cover the number your thoughts on the other part of it, uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Man, they had their champagne out, Ed. They were ready to pop the cork <laughs> in Tampa. Uh, you better put that champagne on back on ice. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, but, man, uh, with the Panthers here, you talk about did they lay an egg last Sunday. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, they, they got beat <laughs> down. Now, Tampa seemed to be a team with absolutely no life at all. I mean, you know, with so much at stake at home, and it was a dud, absolute dud. A hundred percent it was. And at the same time, I I look at Baker Mayfield and what he's done and how uh, offensive coordinator Dave Canales has sort of been able to untap the most out of him. I look at this and I go, maybe a bet on Tampa Bay money line is probably just the safest thing. Like, even though four and a half is kind of a tricky number and I could see Carolina losing by a field goal, probably the safest play is just to assume that Tampa Bay is going to win this thing outright. Now, there are a couple of outing, and, you know, I believe the Saints can still make the playoffs even if Tampa Bay wins. It will require a bunch of things to happen, but I don't necessarily think it's out of the realm of possibilities. And so I think you have – 
a couple of scenarios where this could happen. But as far as like that other piece, as far as winning the division, I don't see that happening. I think Tampa Bay is just going to win outright, and it's, they'll probably do it in a kind of business-like fashion. Hopping to the AFC here, Ed, I, there's actually a couple of games I wanted to ask you about with playoff implications. So we're going to start with the Saturday night game, kind of go chronologically, so to speak. Uh, the Texans yeah. at the Colts, I mean, this Texan squad both, and Colts squad both kind of surpassed expert- expectations this year, both 9-7. and seven. It's effectively for a playoff spot. Now, I know both teams could hypothetically win uh, the AFC South if Jacksonville were to lose, uh, but this is basically going to be for a wild card uh, spot. I mean, I, I, Houston's been better at home than they've been on the road this year, but at the same time, it's been like the opposite for the Colts. They've been better on the road than they've been at home. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just can't get the bad taste out of my mouth from Indianapolis and how they looked against Atlanta just a couple weeks ago. I know that they had a bounce-back performance against the Raiders where they really controlled that game. Uh, but with this Texans-Colts matchup, I think Houston's one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Are you touching this at all, playing any kind of props or spreads or anything like that? I do think Devin Singletary could have a monster outing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a ton of rushing yards. So I think that's probably the best prop I'm most comfortable with. But as far as a side, I'm probably staying away more than anything else. In large part because the Colts have been, like, I'm with you. Like, I watched that Falcons game as well, and I'm like, what in the heck is this? Like, this is the same Indianapolis team that's been surprising us all. Shane Steichen, you know, is in the running for coach here, all that stuff. But you look at, say, like that defense, for instance, and they have been limiting explosive plays. Like, maybe there's not one thing that this Colts team can do really well, and that's why we're not talking about them all that much or giving them a whole lot of respect. But maybe it's just a little bit here, a little bit there. Like, Gardner Minshew hasn't been wonderful, just okay. Pass defense hasn't been wonderful, just okay. Michael Pittman's like that one receiver we know about. But collectively, maybe it just makes sense in a really bad division where you can do just enough to survive. And I don't know what to expect out of C.J. Stroud in a game like this, like with missing a couple games with, with a concussion. I get a little nervous about that. I also don't know as far as the remaining weapons the Texans uh, might have, like they're missing a lot of receivers. Ultimately, this is a stay away, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Texas ground game, that's how this stays close. And, and then Sunday Night Football uh, between Buffalo and Miami for the AFC East, the, the premier matchup of the weekend in Week 18, so to mm-hmm. speak. The Bills, I mean, if you would have told Mike and I a month ago that they'd be competing for this division with you know, Miami, I would have probably called you crazy. And they've won some <laughs> ugly games. They've won ugly. Like that, that game against the Chargers wasn't pretty. That game against the Patriots wasn't pretty either. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at this matchup between the Dolphins, Josh Allen in his career 9-2 and two, has won 9 of his last 10 against Miami. Uh, and I think a lot of sports bookies, I think, agree that maybe Miami's a little bit of a paper tiger, so to and, speak. And the <laughs> other thing, too, since Joe Brady has become the offensive coordinator, they've run the ball Buffalo, more. James Cook has been outstanding this year. James, they've hung their hat on Cook. You know what it reminds me of, Ed? 2019 at LSU, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cl- so Clyde got underrated for what he did. He rushed for over 1,400 yards that year. He was a great receiver coming out of the backfield, but they set things up with Clyde. And, man, then you had them cats on the edges. Man, and you were, man, hold on because the storm's passing through uh, with that type of offensive firepower. So Buffalo's got a chance to jump all the way from the current sixth spot that they're in in the wild card race all the way up to the two if they win this game, if they win the AFC East. And they open as three-point favorites on the road. So I want to get your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, I remember 2019 really well. But I think it's one of those things where it's like because you had Justin Jefferson and Joe Burr and all these guys like just going nuts – 
Like, that's what we remember. Yeah. But, you know, CEH also had a lot to do with the, that overall success, so no doubt about it. And plus, like, the fact that LSU had so many leads, they were able to salt those away. Like, let's not underrate that part. Like, that matters a great deal. I am actually backing the Dolphins plus three here uh, for a few reasons. Number one, I think Joe Brady's fingerprints are definitely all over this Bills offense. But also, two, the tight ends are healthy. And okay. they're, you know, at least okay in terms of run blocking and things like that. So, that's kind of what the philosophy was supposed to be all season long. It's just that they were losing personnel. They couldn't go to 12 nearly as much as they wanted to. So because of that, they were forced to kind of do the intermediate thing, Josh Allen scrambling a little bit more. So it was part of that. I think, too, as far as specifically in this game, this is going to be very different than, than the first meeting when Buffalo just, you know, beat the crud out of the Dolphins, um, in large part because the Bills have lost a ton on defense. I think if there's inclement weather in this game, that this is going to stay on the ground. And I actually like Miami a good bit more with those running backs, especially those outside runs. Overall, they have been a good bit more efficient than James Cook has uh, through the middle. So that matters. And then also, too, Tyreek Hill, I know he hasn't been 100%. Maybe he's been a little bit distracted as well. But what's impressed me the most about this passing attack from Miami is they're starting to go to other guys. I know Jalen Waddle won't be there in all likelihood, but they have been going to other targets. So I think they're not going to rely on Hill as much. And I think Tyreek's mere presence – will keep this passing attack a little bit more dynamic. And I don't necessarily see Buffalo being on the same plateau as far as that passing attack goes. So I think Miami can keep this close. I'll ask you about Seattle, Arizona. We saw Arizona last week, and, man, everything went right. And they played like mm-hmm. their hair was on fire. And they really played great. Now they play Seattle. Uh, I got a feeling they come back down to earth here. I, I like Seattle mm-hmm. in this game. Just your thoughts on that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's nice we're, we're seeing on the same page here. This feels good. I, I do believe in Seattle here, in, in large part because, like, Arizona went nuclear to beat Philadelphia. I mean, it was Dorge. It was James Conner having a really, really good game. Kyler Murray had his best game of the season. That's not all going to happen at the same time for two consecutive weeks, especially against a divisional opponent. And yeah, the Seattle defense has left something to be desired. But they know what to be prepared for. It's not like Arizona's completely different offense. And that kind of was their Super Bowl. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach, going up against his former team, all of that stuff. So in that respect, I think the Seahawks, they will be just fine covering the two and a half. And then uh, kind of moving to college football, the national championship game, Washington versus Michigan. I mean, the the semifinals this year were so exciting. The Sugar Bowl and the Mm -hmm. Rose Bowl were both excellent matchups. And now Washington heads uh, into Houston against Michigan as four-and-a-half-point underdogs in the national championship game. Just want to get your early thoughts on this matchup. It is hard to go up against Michael Penix Jr. with the way he's been playing and the fact that he's a southpaw and sometimes – a defense can be a little bit confused as far as sides and you know, how you go up against a quarterback like that. Not to mention Washington's receivers has been, have been absolutely extraordinary. I think this line is fairly sharp. I'm not going to bet into that. But what I am curious though about, though, is, okay, how does Michigan win this game? There are probably a number of ways they do it, whether it's J.J. McCarthy showing off, whether it's the ground game with Blake Corum and company going off. That's probably how I think this happens, where I'm probably looking at – it's a little square – but I'm probably looking at Blake Corum props and probably betting the over and doing that comfortably. And Washington having to play from behind, so they're probably going to pass a little bit more. I think McMillan, the receiver, is probably going to get a few more opportunities than he did in the semifinal. So those are probably the two guys I'm targeting to go over their player props once they get posted. Uh, but as far as the spread goes, I think it's about right. I think we should be due for a good game. But I do see Michigan winning this thing outright. One of the things, Ed, they better put a pass rush on Pinnock's. 
They better put a better one than Texas did, who got zero on him. Man, they got a lot of pressure on Jalen Milrow in that game against Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but that's a that's a little different story because Milrow's not uh, Michael Penix. No, the one thing with Milrow, if you saw the Ed, a lot of times he's he walks right into the pressure. Bob and I are watching it while we're doing the show, and Bob is like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Just throw from the pocket. Why are you walking into the pressure? Man, one thing with Mike, if you don't get to him fast, he is going to carve you apart like a surgeon. Exactly. That's how I kind of see why this game – I mean, the total is 56-and-a-half. I kind of like the under here just because I do trust the Michigan pass rushers a little bit more. When it came to Milrow, though, like – some of those snaps were bad. Oh, I wonder if those goodness. things rattled him a little bit, you know, out of shotgun formation. I wonder how much of that, you know, involved like, okay, bad snap, something's gone wrong. I'm aborting this play and I'm just going to run through the middle because my athleticism could do something. We saw that in the final play. I wonder if that happened enough times or maybe the Michigan pass rush looked a little bit better than it was supposed to. But in a game like this, Penix isn't going to make those mistakes. Not at all. No, like, he's not. They're going to see a good passing attack. And they're also smart enough to where they can get rid of the, the ball quickly. Like, you know, quick throws, less than two and a half seconds. Wouldn't be surprised if, say, it's those short throws where they try and generate more of a yak kind of an approach. That's how I think Washington stays in this game. Ed, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. And, uh, man, we, could it be any action. better than the final two uh, that final four games in college football. Man, that was awesome to watch. So much fun. Man, so much fun. Was that was a blast. Fun. Thanks so much, Ed. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All righty. That was the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. We'll be back to finish it up in our number one here on Sports Talk right after this break. We're finishing up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. James from Cummington, I'm asking you to hold on. We'll take you right after the news break. But congratulations to Rashid Shaheed making the Pro Bowl. Man, you talk about a guy that's scared of Jesus out of you when he's got the ball in his hands. I don't care if it's a receiver, punt returner. Kickoff today, uh, you don't see a lot of that. But as a punt returner, even Darren Rizzi brought it up on the coaches' show about how they've seen the difference now with teams punting him the ball and trying not to have him make that return. You saw it against Tampa. Yeah, exactly. Camarda uh, didn't want to punt to him. I mean, he's averaging 14 yards a return via Fox Sports, Mike. So, yeah, Shahid, you know, getting that Pro Bowl nod for as a, as a return man, absolutely deserved. He's been fantastic in, in special teams this year. Also, too, when he's healthy, out on the edge, man. You see those DBs. You better and have a safety back. They say, man, I hope you got a safety in the backside to kind of help me on this. Um, he's got speed. Because I see a lot of guys in doing this for as long as I have. You, you put a helmet and pads on a fast guy, mm, he's not quite as fast. Rashid Shahid is fast with a helmet and pads on. He is flat out fast. And once he gets by you, you're not catching him. Uh, on the deep throws, but his return skills have really been outstanding this year as a punt returner. He's went, I think last year it was like 9.7 yards yeah, a 9. return. Yeah, 9.6 and then jumped to 14. Now it's 14. Mm-hmm. That's a big jump. When you average more than 10 yards on a punt return, that's big time Pro in Bowl. this league. 
And so that's why he's in the Pro Bowl. Congratulations to Rashid Shaheed. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 